0: Awesome. Denise Lee, welcome to the Stop That Deep podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Deep.
0: I'm so excited to have you here. You are one of um, one of the first few clients we've actually had here in the fully functioning Deep studio here in Miami. Um, and I'm excited that you've been enjoying the content process so far. But I want to kick this podcast off by talking about you and, and Alala and your entrepreneurship journey. Talk to me about it a little bit.
1: Yes, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Denise Lee, and I'm the founder and CEO of Alala, which is a women's athleisure company that I started nine years ago. Nine years. And it's been an incredible journey um, over the next, you know, over the nine years, and I'm excited to see it keep growing and, and have that experience of, of scaling my business.
0: And And you know, nine years in business is like dog years like that's crazy oh, yeah. first of all, i have to say i have so much respect for you and i admire so much what you built i was looking through your website when we first connected and i was just so impressed with like just how clean the brand is and like there's a few principles of the brand of like the timeless like these are pieces that are like they it's not just like some kind of gimmick or trend or something like that. Like, I think you even have it written somewhere on the site that it says that one of the foundational principles I found of your, your company really, I can relate to. And it's like, you want pieces that are going to last very long in my own fashion journey, you could call it. uh, It's kind of hand in hand with business, right? You want things that are going to last long, look good with a lot of things, have good quality, and, and that's really what you built with Alala. But walk me back to to how you got there. What, what was it about leisure that piqued your interest?
1: Yeah, you know, it's been a great journey. I'm so happy you kind of brought those points out because they really are like what we stand for um, with the brand. But I started my journey, you know, a long time ago. My parents were both entrepreneurs and always encouraged me to start my own thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, for a very long time, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, you're just like, I just need that big idea. Mm-hmm. I just need that idea that I feel like I can turn into a business. Yep. And I've always loved fashion. My parents have been in it. And so for me, like that was the path that I went on. Right. And I always just kept my eye out for that big idea to kind of come my way. And in 2012, I decided that I was going to train for a triathlon. Okay. It was something that was on my bucket list. I'm like, I'm going to do it. Um, But if you've ever done a triathlon, you know that you train like every day. So you're biking, running, swimming. And coming from the fashion industry, like I knew that, you know, getting some great gear, getting some great activewear was going to like motivate me to like enjoy this process even more. If I look good, I feel good. I want to work harder. And so when I started looking for activewear in the market, nothing really excited me. And remember, this was like 10 years ago. And, you know, there were only the big brands out there. And I was like, none of these brands speak to me. I'm not excited about them. They're very functional. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized like, oh, maybe there's a white space here in the activewear market for something that's more fashion forward, something that's more like in line with like my style. Um, which was very much like a New York kind of like going all day, kind of a style. And that's when I started to think like, this could be my big idea. Um, and I remember like calling my dad, like super excited. And I was like, dad, dad, I have it. I have it. Like, you know, this is going to be my idea. And in a way, when you look back at it, I feel like, oh, like starting an activewear brand, it's not really like the big idea, but for me, it was so exciting. Mm You know, and I spent almost a year researching the market, like really understanding, like, is there truly an opportunity here mm-hmm. before I launched the brand? And there obviously was, because when we launched Alala, when I launched Alala, athleisure wasn't even a word. Mm-hmm. It became a word in that season that we launched. Wow. And so like, we were able to ride that like active wear athleisure trend. Yeah, like, call and, it, yeah. So totally, the timing was very, very fortunate for us with that.
0: Amazing. What were some of the first pieces that you're like, you know what? For me, I need this. What are we going to like lead to get to the market?
1: Yeah. It was like interpreting um, activewear in a more like fashion forward way. So we used a lot of mesh in our first collections, which people weren't really using in that way. Again, remember this like 10 years ago was new back then. And so we use a lot of like bright, more sophisticated.
0: <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah,
1: it's okay. We use a lot of like bright and more sophisticated fashion colors versus like very traditional like active wear colors. And so, you know, it really, really took off very quickly. And it's been like a whole journey ever since.
0: Well, my girlfriend's a fan. Yes. She, uh, we were looking at the website together. Uh, when we first started working here, she's like, oh my God, deep. like." <laughs> And this is just so cool. And like, we have a lot of cool clients, but she never says that because it's like, she loves wearing those types of mm-hmm. things that now you might be able to find somewhere else mm-hmm. and stuff. But she specifically told me, she's like, these, these are so cute. The designs, like there's some things are like ribbed and there's like the textures and the colors, the tones. It's like, it really communicates that like fashion forward, but like, Hey, like, you know, I might be going to the farmer's market and then. I'm going to hit a yoga session so, and i'm going to walk my dog and then i'm going to you know work on some things yeah. like it's it's all of that and i love how you kind of described it as like that new york like busy go-go life but like you want to be comfortable but you want to be cute yeah too. so totally I, I can relate to that because you know a lot of the times you know i, I know alala is not necessarily for me but like that type of clothing is very important for me in my day-to-day as well yeah. so you know, even though for me, like I might go to some of these other brands, I'm always looking for those types of pieces that I can like, you know what, if I'm hopping out of a boxing session, like you saw me this morning mm-hmm. and I still have to meet someone and be public facing mm-hmm. and see the world. I don't want to look like a bum yeah. and just like a tank top and some, some like, you know, sweaty clothes, you yeah. know what I mean? It's, it feels good to look good and you perform better as well. Yeah. I think it matters so much. And yeah, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I I was going to say, you know, and we are at a luxury price point. And I think something that's really important that I stand behind with our brand is that if you're going to ask people to pay $100 for a pair of yoga pants, like you have to deliver the quality and you also should deliver, which we think very intentionally about, the versatility of that piece. So we don't do a lot of very trendy things in trendy colors that are only going to be like looking good for one Instagram picture and then it's like done, you know, like we really want to have pieces that you can keep in your closet for a long time that you can wear with so many different things. And it always looks good. Even after you've thrown it in the wash, like 30 times.
0: One of my first questions that I want to ask you was how is it possible to go from zero to seven plus figures in 18 months?
1: That's a great question. So for us, I think it was a combination of things. Like I said, you know, we were we caught the wave of everybody wanting to wear active wear, of stores wanting to have active wear in their stores for people to buy. And so, you know, we were very fortunate to kind of be at the forefront of that. And so we were one of several several brands that came out around the same time that all these retailers were going to to fill that hole in their stores right Right. and so like Alala was you know an option for a lot of these people and I think again like it's easy to get somebody to buy your stuff once Mm -hmm. right but if it sucks they're not going to come back and so really focusing on the product quality to begin with Um, was something that was really, really important to me to make sure that we could stand up to all the things that we were saying about our product, that it was really gonna deliver on the promise. And I think that's really important if you're thinking about starting a product brand. I think a lot of times people talk a lot about marketing, Mm -hmm. but, and marketing is really important too, but if you don't have a great product, people don't stay.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You can yeah. get that one time conversion, but how are you going to keep them coming back and back again?
1: Exactly.
0: Quality is the differentiator. Yeah. What was it about the the quality of, of the clothing that make, made it so different? Like, how did you do that?
1: Yeah. So we actually invested more in the fabrics that we used mm-hmm. and also um, the fit and design of the pieces. So a lot of, you know, like there's a lot of cheaper fabrics that people choose to use that just don't feel as good on your skin. yeah. Um, and we chose to go for more like nylon based fabrics, um, which were more expensive, but felt really good. And okay. just like the wear and tear was like a w- lot better on mm-hmm. those pieces. And so, you know, you could wear them for longer and they felt a lot better on your body. Um, but also I think like, we've always wanted to design for a woman who has a regular body. You know, we're not just saying like, oh, our clothes are only for like very thin model like or very fit people. Um, We always put elements of um, design in that were really meant for, you know, somebody who just had a normal body. And I think people really appreciated that um, about our clothing. We designed lines that made you look more elongated and lengthened and you know, held you in where you wanted to be held in when you were exercising. And I think that thoughtfulness of design and that uh, work that we put in before we made the clothes really reflected in us being able to grow our business so quickly.
0: Some of the common themes I'm like getting from this is just how intentional you guys are about everything that you do. I mean, you took that year of just studying the market and just learning as much as you can about it and, and you know, I'm sure you did a lot of, like, on the ground, like, speaking to people and talking to friends and figuring out, like, what is it that, like, really would make this brand stick out. Yeah. I also see that, you know, when other brands and businesses are going right, you're going left, right? I think that's really, really unique to hear because a lot of the fast fashion out there, you know, it's all about how can we make this as cheap as possible Mm -hmm. and look just good enough to get the sale. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like, no, like, I know I'm gonna get the sale. Yeah. All right. But how do I keep you happy as a customer for a long period of time? Yeah. With intentional pieces that are gonna make you feel good. Yeah. Look good and feel good. Yeah. Beautiful. I love those principles. Um one of the next things I kind of wanted to ask you then is What's your game plan from ta- for taking Alala to eight figures and beyond?
1: Yeah, that's a great, great question. I'm so excited you asked that. It's something I've been really trying to honestly figure out for a while. And I don't think there is one answer. Okay. Right? Like, there isn't. Um, so last year, we actually did a rebrand. Okay. And the things that you mentioned, the timeless design, the quality, we really brought those qualities of our brand and product out to the forefront because what we hear from customers is that those are things that matter to them. So I think part of the strategy for us growing and scaling is really to convey like why we're so different and in such a crowded market now, right, there's hundreds of options of activewear that you can buy. I think saying how you're different and making it very clear to people helps you, helps people identify like, oh, yes, this is important to me. Quality is very important to me. You know, having pieces that are versatile in my wardrobe are very important to me. Um, And so it helps us, I think, connect with the customer we want to reach easier. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of it. But I think on the other side of things, you know, as a first time solo self-funded entrepreneur, there's so many things I don't know about business. I've never grown an eight-figure business before. I've never grown a nine-figure business before. And so, you know, in this point of my journey, I'm also learning to reach out for help, reach out for more support. And that's something that, you know, I haven't done a good job of to this point. And so, um, yeah, I've spoken to a lot of people who have told me that, you know, bringing on an advisory board is something that's really critical for our next step of growth. Having people who have the experience of growing eight, nine figure companies come on to kind of show me the way um, is something that I'm working on a lot right now to to enable us to grow, right? Sometimes I feel like we get so either like lost or we're unsure of what to focus on in our business, what's going to make the biggest difference mm-hmm. that it's hard to make those decisions on your own. So at this point in my business growth, in my own personal journey growth, um, it's a lot just about kind of like bringing in the right people to help me grow.
0: That is the most beautiful and refreshing answer I could have expected. You know, like I, there, there's so many directions you could have taken that, right? Like you get specific tactics. These, mm-hmm. And as a real entrepreneur, you know that it's like a plan is a plan, but that it changes a million yeah. times, right? Um, beautiful, beautiful answer. I love, I love that mentorship and advisory is at the forefront of that because even in our business journey and we're, we're not as far along as you or, or anything like that, but, you know, from the beginning of Jamie and my's, uh, you know, business careers, even before I met him and even before he met me, We actually did an exercise the other day where we actually took a look at all of the investments, direct investments we've made in courses, coaching, masterminds, access to people and material and knowledge that's going to help us level up and do it faster than if we just try to do it alone, right? We're kind of, okay, how can we skip these steps? Sure, it's going to cost some money. And cumulatively over six figures have been invested in that type of learning and growth And that to me is cool to look at because that's outside of like a traditional education or university or something like that. That is for us, like taking our own, like the little money we have and basically taking our egos and saying, Mm -hmm. we don't know this, but how do we get to know it, but not have to do so much Mm -hmm. like I can skip a step. If I know someone who's already where I want to be, so, I really love that you're investing in that, I, and I'm so confident that having that advisory board, having people around who around you who can um steer you in a direction when you hit that fork in the road, and these decisions at that level are so much more magnified yeah. because every decision means saying no to a bunch of other things, then you're kind of unsure. yeah, it's cool exactly. to hear other people's you know perspective on that. so really, really cool there. Another question here I've got for you is, would you ever sell your company?
1: Yes. In a heartbeat, yes, I would. You know, I think it's really important for people going into this to know what they want to get out of it, right? And I think it takes you down many different paths depending on what your outcome you want is. And not one is better than the other. Some people want to grow a business because they want to leave it to their sons and daughters and they wanted the to be a family thing. legacy which is wonderful and great. Yep. You know, for me growing my business was more of um showing myself that I could do it. You know, and and being able to have the experience, the full experience of starting, growing and then selling a business. To me that's the that's the thing that lights me up the most. And Cute. so um, I've always been very clear on that, and again, it takes you to do a different set of steps than somebody who wants to keep it in their family, or somebody who, you know, is really happy having a certain size business, and it, it just throws cash off, yeah, throw, throws off cash for you, you to live your life. Um, but for me, yes, I would like to sell my
0: business. Great answer. I love, I love the clarity of that. I love that it's, you know, like, well, maybe if this yeah. and that. And <laughs> depending on this it, it it's very clear that you know you're building this thing to sell yeah and you know one of the things that you know i may add on to that and in when i first started off you know this agency with with my partner my whole thing was you know let's just let's get our quit our jobs yeah. let's do something yeah. like up our lifestyle so we can live the life we want to live right but then over time it evolves and stuff like that. And we had those very clear conversations of like, well, like what would it look like for us to walk away from this? What what do we need to happen? And mm-hmm. luckily Jamie and I have had those conversations. And um, one of the things, I read this book called Built to Sell, and it really, really actually reframed like, yep. whether you actually want to sell the business yep. or not, you have to build it as if you will. So you can set up systems and operations and everything so that if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, yeah. this thing can still make some money for some people. You know that's what I mean? Right. So that's that's one thing that I just add on to what you're saying there is that support and have that clarity and that exit strategy. Yeah. But also, regardless of you know what you're gonna do, obviously the strategy may be a little bit different, but if it's a business, you have to treat it as such. Right. And the goal of that business should be to operate and systemize it so that it's generating a profit so that someone could eventually like buy it from yeah right So, so that to me is is a very valuable lesson love your take on that
1: yeah i've also read built to sell and i think it does very clearly outline you know the strategies that you need to take and so i think i agree with you like especially as your business grows systems processes even though they're not sexy to talk about and nobody wants to like address them, like you need to think about it, like remove yourself from the business as much as possible. And I think when you're a young entrepreneur and you start, you know, everybody starts with one person, yourself, you're doing everything. It is very, very difficult for some people to start letting go of, you know, responsibilities, start putting things in place that make you not important right? I think some people want to feel that importance in their business. They want everybody to come to them and be like, Deep, what should I do? What should I do? What's the next step? Blah, 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 blah. But I think you realize that you become a liability
0: and a a
1: bottleneck (laughs) to your business instead of helping it grow. And sometimes I feel like that's the difference between building something to sell and to exist outside of yourself and building a business that you want to stay in forever.
0: Exactly. Like, I mean... uh There's merit and it's a beautiful thing for people to go after being uh, freelancers and stuff like that and basically owning their job. And that's, that's great. If you want to be a solopreneur and you just want, you want to run the ship, you want, you work on X many projects and you're like, no, I don't even want employees or anything that that's cool. Very few people I know go into business with that being the end goal, Mm -hmm. right? You know, so to me. That was one of the lessons I learned early on. Is like, there are so many things that I'm doing every day that I don't need to be doing. Yeah. My ego is like, oh, of course. Like, dude, how is it gonna happen if Deep does not? Yeah. Tell you what to do. But the more and more I get into this, the more I let go. And every day, you know, uh, Jamie can attest to this, and everyone on the team can attest to this. I, I'm trying to remove myself as much as possible, Mm -hmm. and that's not easy though. I will say it's not an easy thing, but. A goal that I put out there is that I want to not be in Slack by the end of the year. I want to be able to not even have the app or be able to I see a single that. message because if I'm in there, there's something's wrong, yep. right? Either we're not making enough money for there to be a better operator. Yep. I know I'm not the best operator in the world. Yep. There are people way more talented and experienced than yep. me who should be running it. I, I want to be on top of it I want to be an owner. I don't really want to be a CEO. As good as I am at it, I don't want to be a CEO forever. My goal for me is to, you know, be like kind of the chairman of a board of a bunch of companies Mm -hmm. where I check in on things and whatever if I want. But at the same time, if I want to F off to Europe for the summer and not check my phone at all, that's also cool. So, Um, I really appreciate your perspective on that.
1: That's the dream, right? It's to be able to leave your business. And one thing I will add for a lot of people who might be creatives or thinking about starting their own fashion line and stuff, there's something to be said about not having your name as the name of the company. Mm -hmm. You know, not calling it fully your entire name. Because if you do want to sell your business one day, one, it's so closely tied to you that it's hard for somebody who wants to buy your company to say like, okay, we're gonna buy your company, but you wanna leave and you don't wanna be any part of it. Your name is your comp, you know, and Mm -hmm. you become so tied into it. So in a way, that's why I didn't name my company like Denise whatever, you know what I mean? Like, so it's something to think about for sure.
0: Absolutely, and that's actually one of the challenges uh, that we see in the personal branding space. Mm -hmm is when people don't have an underlying business backing up whatever the, it is that they're promoting with their brand or if they don't have a clear path to monetizing their brand outside of just their own name or their own everything again I know it's kind of like a like a graphic image but it's like this person gets hit by a bus and there goes their brand yeah you know they uh, you're not going to get someone else to hop in and be like hey guys Denise Lee here, actually JK, she's not here. I'm taking (laughs) over her accounts. Like that's, unfortunately, that doesn't work. So one thing we always um, look for in clients who are looking for a personal brand is, hey, like, do you actually have like a way to monetize this Mm -hmm. outside of just your name? Yeah. Right. um, But I will say it like on that note as well it, that is the quickest way to connect with a large audience as well. So it's a double edged sword. You have to be tricky. It's kind of a tricky balance, but you have to be careful, not going 100% any direction. Um, you know, there's a lot of merit to being completely anonymous and just Mm -hmm. crushing business and, and not doing any personal branding. But from what we've seen, you know, so many people have benefited so much from kind of having both
1: yeah, I think especially because there's so many industries that are so competitive, one of the competitive advantages you have is that your customers love you. They love your story. They love why you started this brand. Yeah. And yeah, i I do think it's not a cut and dry, like easy decision to make
0: absolutely. I mean, look, for me, every business I've ever started has a part of my name in it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: A for my ego. Two, I think it's kind of <laughs> cool. But um, there's a reason it's not called like Deepak Social Brands, yep, right? Yep. Deep is general enough that it's just a word. Yep. But it's you know close enough that it's a part of my name enough where I feel like emotionally invested in this thing has to succeed. So yeah. I, I feel like we've done a pretty good job of kind of balancing that as well.
1: I love that.
0: Do you have immigrant parents?
1: I have... None. So my story is that I grew up in Singapore Okay. and my family still lives in Singapore. Okay. And I have now spent 20 years of my life as an immigrant myself that, okay. here in the U.S.
0: That's, so th- this is what I was trying to get to is you know, it, whether you're first generation or if you're an immigrant yourself. I am as well. So I am, was born in India, but I, I came to Canada when I was like one. Yeah. So I'm pretty much as Canadian yeah. as they come, but... <laughs> I have immigrant parents, so I'm sure that we can kind of relate on on certain things. Having Singaporean um, Asian parents, what was that upbringing like?
1: Again, I'm sure you can relate a lot to this. You know, it was very much performance driven. You had to do well in school. And that was the most, most important thing. That's the measuring stick. Yes, in mm-hmm. your life. That's what they measured. You against your siblings, you against all your friends, like you know, against their friends' kids, like everybody just had to do really well in school. Um, and I was the firstborn child, okay. and so I feel like there's even more pressure sometimes on the first child, right? Um, my brother and sister were allowed to kind of like do more creative things um, and and explore some other parts of their you know interests, and I I was really focused on school, and so for a long time like that's kind of the thing that you know makes you a good child or a bad child was how well you did in school um and now as an adult you you realize like how narrow that is in some ways and i think you know i wish i had more opportunity to do a lot of things when i was a kid but it also i think instills in you some really great values and great kind of training especially for being an entrepreneur (laughs) Um, so yeah, that was my experience.
0: I'm, I'm grateful for it, you know, because on one hand, you know, it was the definitely doctor, lawyer, engineer Mm -hmm. dynamic where it's like, that is pretty much the only way we're going to consider you successful. And because we want to brag about you to everyone else. Right. But as, as you get older, you realize that it comes from a good place Mm -hmm. and they just want you to be successful. They just want you to be safe and to be able to provide for your kids and in their minds that is the way to do that yeah right but what I'm curious and probably what's going to be a little bit different in your story and and mine is your parents were entrepreneurs so with that you know you're still um they're still measuring success as you know how what how how much effort you're putting into school and what your grades are like and, and that type of stuff but was there ever, and, and, you know, excuse my ignorance, you know, on Asian culture here, but, you know, was there any pushback from you to be like, well, hey, like, you guys, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. school was number one. Yeah. You, know, you weren't measured by some job or outcome. Like, you guys are entrepreneurs. Yeah. Was there any of those conversations back and forth, or did you just go with it?
1: Uh-huh. So, I was really lucky because, you know, both my parents were entrepreneurs, and, They always said, like, you can go and start your own business Mm -hmm. and, you know, do what you want to do. But at the same time, like, you still needed the discipline of going through, like, getting the good grades and stuff. And I think maybe it was more on, like, instilling those values of discipline, hard work, you know, working at something for a long time um, that they more valued in, like, the getting good grades than, like, the actual, like, getting Mm. good grades. Um, but having said that, you know, like business is still very cut and dry in a way that like you know how much money you're making and somebody else is making double you. Somebody's making ten times a hundred times you. So, um, you know, for for me, there's still that yardstick that comparison marker that is very similar to like getting a hundred on a test versus like getting ninety eight on a test, you know? And but so
0: <laughs> you only did this many million revenue. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, like okay, like yeah, you're okay. This this much is it's fine. But you know, like that person is doing fifty. That person is doing a hundred million. Like, so I does don't think you ever you? get away from that.
0: But does that drive you, like, or or have you gotten away yeah. from that completely?
1: So I used to let it be a negative driver. I used to, and let it get to me in a negative way, right? And so I said, oh, like this person's been in business as long as I have, but they're doing double my revenue, five times my revenue, like what's wrong with me? And, you know, I really, that mindset doesn't help anybody. It makes you feel bad about yourself. It makes you feel like your work is not important or you didn't do a good job. So I've really spent the last couple of years reframing that into a more positive statement which is that what's possible for them is possible for me. Mm. So, oh, putting this person in my path that's, you know, been the same amount of time in business, but they're doing five times what I'm doing right now. I'm like, okay, the universe is showing me that I that I can do that too. Mm. You know, that I can get there. It's not an impossible thing. Okay. So, for me like I try to think about it that way more than I try to think like, oh, like I just not, am doing well. I'm not doing as well as this other person.
0: That's a really healthy mindset. Yeah. And and wow, like that's really refreshing because I catch myself even um, comparing, right? And I'm always, you you never compare down, you always compare up, right? So you never think, oh, well, I'm doing this and we're doing that. You're thinking, oh yeah, I'm doing this, but there's a 21-year-old who's doing 50 times that. Like, what am I doing wrong here? Like, I'm trying my level best right now. Like, I'm doing everything I can. I don't know if there's more I can do. How is this person getting all this stuff? But that, yeah, that's a really powerful reframe that I'm gonna try to apply. Yeah. Moving forward, and it's a beautiful conversation like this. I get to take that away because, yeah, it's, there's a weird relationship between the competition of it, of like. Well, like, you definitely want to do the best that you can. But then also the the more healthy mindset of being like, well, like, look, there's so much possible out there. Mm -hmm. There's so many people with different advantages and disadvantages. I'm here right now. I know I can get there. Yeah.
1: And I think something that really helped me is like this very simple analogy, right? I have $5. And I'm going to pay you $5 for your cup now i have your cup and you have the same five dollars you're going to take that five dollars and give it to someone else to buy a sandwich and so in a way money is infinite and your possibility for making money is infinite because there's not only a certain amount of money in the world money moves everywhere all the time and so you know for me it's like oh just because this other activewear brand is doing this doesn't mean I can only do this, Mm. you know? Because money moves everywhere all the time. And so that $5 is going to get passed around so many different ways in its life, like that you can't think of business as a zero-sum game. Mm. You have to think about it as this infinite possibility
0: for yourself. That's beautiful. I I love that so much because with that you've reframed it to there being infinite possibility and leverage. That's, that's a really important way to look at it. I love that. Yeah. Something I kind of want to dive in a little bit because, because it seems like you've got a really good mindset about all this stuff and coming up on a decade doing this, you know, you've probably had extreme ups and downs and roller coasters and crazy bad months, Mm -hmm. amazing, good months. How do you keep yourself so even keel? What what is like kind of your mindset tricks to stay so calm? Because I can feel your energy that you're you're just calm, cool as a cucumber yeah. <laughs> person. How do you how do you get to that?
1: I think it's partly just my personality. Like I've always been this way, but I also think that you know it's something that I consciously think about, right? And for good or bad, this is the way that I approach things. Um, especially when you have difficult, difficult times, you can get yourself into a hole. And I've definitely been in places where I don't want to get out of bed. You know, I like cry to my office. You know, there's so, I want to give up. Like, I just want to like fire everybody and blow up my business. Like I've been there so many times and like, you just can't let that stuff get you so down Mm -hmm. because like, there's a bigger purpose and a bigger mission, I think, behind all of this. And and sometimes I think about that. Like, what what is my purpose in life besides making all this money for myself? You know what I mean? And for me, like, that keeps me going and that makes the bad times a little bit easier. Um, but I do think, and I told Jamie this earlier too, like, I do wish that, you know, there the good times, I celebrated them more. Mm. And so I'm even keeled. But in good times, like, I really wish, like, you know, I was more excited and I Mm. celebrated my first million or whatever it is, like, more than I did. Um, So I think there's something to be said either way.
0: Yeah, I I think, like, a good analogy for me is, you know, climbing a mountain, right, but you don't, you might not see the, the summit yet and you're like oh well like i just gotta get to this part and then like i'll, I'll be happy because like it's like almost there right yeah and then you get up there and then there, there's a bend and mm-hmm. you're like oh there's, there's like three more it's oh, like okay yeah. well look <laughs> let's just keep going like you know can't get too high can't get too low like let's just keep going but it, it, it's cliche but it's about the journey yeah anyways right totally so that's something i struggle with as well but jamie and i do we do try to you know We hit our first uh, seven-figure mark, and when we started to hit some of these milestones, we actually do try to intentionally, like, you know what? We're going out for dinner tonight. I know we we might not be able to afford this, or we got seven fires to put out or whatever, but tonight we're going to go drink some beer or some drinks and (laughs) go watch a basketball game and celebrate this thing with other people. I think that's important as well.
1: Totally. And I also think... Sometimes, like, when you have a team, you have a team of people who chose to leave whatever they were doing and come and work with you, you know, and they look up to you and you're their leader. You never want to, like, show so much, like, stress, disappointment, negativity around them because I just know how much, you know, it affects them and it makes them panicked and it makes them sad. So. In a way, like you're also regulating that feeling because you always want to be, you know, kind of a, a leader and a strong um,
0: role, person, modeling, a
1: role yeah. model for your team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's powerful. But, you know, on the flip side of that, kind of like you're saying as well, they also want to share in a, in a win. They yes. they want the pizza party. They yes. want the retreat. They want the, you know, fun things yes. to celebrate because it, it can boost morale and have everyone more hyped up and and ready to continue on the road Mm -hmm. so that that's a that's a really beautiful um lesson and and outlook on it on a more personal side how do you um what are some of the habits that you have on a a day-to-day basis that you find keep you performing at a high level
1: yeah so you know i'm a big proponent of having some quiet time whatever that means for you as an individual. Like for me, it means that when I walk my dogs in the morning, I don't listen to music. I don't listen to podcasts. Like I leave my mind kind of like completely open Mm. for thought to come in, for the downloads to come in. And I find so many people like every single moment of every single day, they're having some like stimulation, right? They're watching something, they're listening to something they're saying something, you know? And it's like, they don't give themselves any time to like really just let their mind be more free and open and quiet. Mm. So for me, I found like, I can hear that little voice when I'm really quiet and whatever that problem is that I'm trying to figure out, if I can't do it, I just say like, okay, I'm leaving it. And a lot of times like it, it'll come, it'll come, but only when you're quiet. And so um, for me, it's just really important. My morning walk is, you know, 15, 20 minutes. It's not a long time, but it really helps just to like, let my mind be really silent and see what comes in.
0: That's beautiful. I love those types of walks or even showers Mm -hmm. or long drives where I kind of can't have, or, or like you can with your phone and stuff like that. But like, You leave it at home or force yourself to have that stillness, that quietness. Yeah. And yeah, the mind has this very weird ability to solve things Mm -hmm. like creatively and come up with solutions And you're like, I wouldn't have even thought of that if I was like trying to Google it or trying to ask someone or trying to do them, Yeah. like listen on podcasts or all the stimulus, right? I do think in, you know, 2023, as we're recording this, um, we have too much input, too much stimulus, mm-hmm. too much going on, that those moments in the sauna, those moments going for a walk, those moments just being in nature for a little bit are actually some of the most important minutes in your entire day. Yeah. And some of the most creative and influential people ever say the exact same thing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a really valuable um, piece of advice yeah. there. I love that.
1: And it's easy. Anybody can do it.
0: Yeah, I, lo- I love that so much. In terms of fitness, what what is your your fitness uh, um, your routine look like?
1: Yeah, so I'm not very consistent with my fitness, I have to say, and it's something that you know I'm always working on, and I'm always trying to. For me, I think it's the consistency that is more important than like the intensity of the oh. work, and so. At this stage in my life, I just turned 40. Like my health is really important to me. And I think, you know, people like get to my age and they're like, oh shit, like I wish I had, you know, done more, like paid more attention. Um, So fitness for me is a part of your overall wellness and it's, it's a portion of it, but it's not the whole thing. So as long as I'm moving my body in some way every day, like I consider that a win. So even if it's just going out and walking my dog's, Like that to me is a win. I don't try and force myself into like a really regimented fitness schedule because I've tried it so many times and I don't like it. And I like give up after two weeks, you know? And so for me, it's more like light exercise. Um, I like doing Pilates. I like walking. um, And that's what's working for me right now. I've gone through the phases of going to boxing and this and that. And, you know, I enjoy all of it. Um, but currently, just like feeling into what feels the best for me, that's what's, that's what's happening.
0: I think that is some of the best advice ever because there's so much noise out on the internet in the world that this is the only way. You must do this eight times a week and then intermittent fast yeah. and do this and then yoga and meditate. It's like, oh, my God, like yeah. I could just be a full-time, like right. just doing the recreational stuff. What am I going to hit all the other priorities in my life? Um, that's that's really beautiful. Yeah, I'm gonna kind of end the podcast on on a little bit of a selfish note on, on my part. I, I don't normally do this, but I I think that a lot of people can gain valuable insight from this because I've been struggling with something as a as a business owner, as a um, you know, as somebody who is a son, a brother, a, a boyfriend, just so many roles and responsibilities and hats that I have to wear and plates that I have to spin, right? Something that I've been struggling with and I've been talking to people very close to me about this is prioritization. Mm-hmm. How do I know what is the most important thing? How much time do I dedicate to it? And how do I make it all kind of fit and work together? Do you have any advice on that? And it's okay if you don't. I, I just wanted to selfishly ask <laughs> for my own you know, growth. Uh, I, I'd love to hear your perspective on it if you have any
1: so my perspective on this is there are seasons for everything mm-hmm. there are seasons where you need to put your business first you know and really focus on that and things have to take a back seat there are seasons where i want to focus more on my relationships you know and that takes a priority like i think we have to all be really realistic about not only the fi- the time that we have but also the energy that we have to give mm-hmm. and boundaries are really really important and what i think works best for me sometimes is actually to say out loud to my boyfriend or my family or to friends like listen you know this weekend I really have to spend all day Saturday working on this thing because it's really important and I'm really sorry, but you know, that's kind of like it's I'm in the season I'm Mm. in my season and you know, but on the same hand, like you can't, if it's important to you, if your relationship is important to you, you have to like water those plants and nurture them as well. I just think like it's very, very detrimental to have the mindset that you can like do it all and have it all all at the same time Mm. so for me it's a lot of saying no to things right and and not being so attached like oh i just told my friend i couldn't hang out with them and being up you know and being afraid that they're going to be upset with me like it is just a reality and that's my boundary right now
0: i love that so many amazing (laughs) things to take away from that and yeah, that, that's really refreshing to hear. You can't do it all at all times. Got to learn to say no to things. And yeah, I've been really trying to be more intentional about vocalizing things. And I do have a tendency to want to say yes to everything and take everything on and have responsibility. But no, I can handle it. I'll be fine. I'll do it. Let's do it. I'll do that yeah, too. Yeah. We'll do that too. We'll get check all the boxes and do mm-hmm. all the things. But yeah, I, I, I want to be very mindful that like, hey, I want to do this for a long time. Yeah. I'm going to burn out if I try to do everything. Yeah. And seasons, I love, love yeah. of that advice. And
1: we've all had that experience where you like meet your friend for coffee and they're like on their phone, like trying to like do something on the side or they're just not even listening to what you're saying. Yeah. You know, you're they're like distracted so by something else. Right not now. even here, yeah. So what's the point? What's the point? Like, I feel like that's a worst experience to have. Then to say to somebody like, hey, I really can't meet you this weekend. I'm really, really busy. I have to do this thing, you know, but like two weeks from now, like, let's go to coffee and Mm. just be like very intentional. Like when we're having coffee, I am having coffee with you. I'm listening to you. I'm connecting with you. Like that's so much more meaningful than like seeing somebody every week and like both of you are on your phone, like doing nothing,
0: you know? It's like, yeah, I have 13 minutes uh, to see you between... These four meetings, like I'm just gonna squeeze you and like. It doesn't feel good. No, absolutely not. I really love that advice. I'm gonna end the podcast with two questions, Denise. So the first one is what is next for Alala? What is something you're excited about? What's next? What's a big thing? You were recording this podcast in uh, May of 2023, just to time stamp it. <laughs> What's next?
1: So I am at the beginning of putting together that advisory board. That I mentioned. Um, I'm about to go out and, you know, approach people that I've looked up to for a long time, and ask them if they want to be a part of the next chapter of Alala. And so I'm hoping in the next, you know, two, three, four months that I'll be able to gather three or four like amazing, amazing advisors for the business that are really going to drive us to the next level. So I'm really excited about that.
0: That is exciting stuff. I can't wait to see it all to come together, (laughs) have you back on the podcast later and see how that's that's impacted things. And you know, the company I know is gonna blow up and and continue to grow. Um, And then the final question is what's next for you, Denise? Personally.
1: Well, I feel like, you know, I've spent some time with you guys this week and I am super excited to also like grow um, and contribute more personally in terms of like my social media, being able to share my experiences with more people and to tell my story in the hopes that, you know, what I'm saying can connect with somebody who is going through the same thing or is thinking about starting a business and needs some advice. So I'm very excited about that.
0: Beautiful. And I I know you will, and I know it's gonna impact so many people Um, I just can't wait to see it all roll in and and us talk about it on the next episode.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Thank you so much for joining me on It's Not That Deep. Um, Shout out where people can connect with you on socials.
1: Awesome. So you can follow Alala at Alala on IG or Alala underscore official on TikTok. And personally for me, it's Denise X Lee, both on IG and TikTok.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Thanks.